1: It was two weeks ago when we first talked with our next guest. It was when we chatted with him about an article he wrote for the National Post. It was titled, Life in the Trenches, an Edmonton ICU doctor describes the war against COVID-19. Dr. Peter Brindley is a full-time critical care physician at the University of Alberta uh, in its general and neurosciences intensive care units. Now, since the last time we spoke, Alberta has essentially seen the number of cases of COVID-19 in the province double from 968 And 13 deaths to now 1,870 cases and 48 deaths. I want to welcome back to the show, Dr. Brinley. Hi, Peter. Good
0: afternoon, that's a sobering introduction, isn't it? Nice to talk to you, Jalen. nice to talk yeah. to
1: everybody out there. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, those numbers when you look at them, how they've doubled pretty much in two weeks, and we're certainly seeing that Calgary continues to be um, hit a little bit harder with the number of cases compared to Edmonton, but I'm, I'm curious to know, Peter, what, what changes, if anything, that you have seen in, in the hospital with what you're dealing with right now?
0: Well, the numbers are up, as you've already pointed out. The numbers are going to go up further. We're doing better than just about everywhere else in the world, uh, which is a you know, a nice thing. It's a strange record to hold. But uh, things haven't changed a great deal. Uh, we're just soldering on, and I hope people at home are, too
1: continuing to soldier on do you have still what you need we know that the alberta government been working hard to secure the ppe that um that there was the concern about shortages there Um, are you still seeing what you need in the hospitals
0: that's a great question it's fundamental to all the healthcare workers too uh we think so um there are there have been jurisdictions around the world that have been reassured that they have stuff, and then when they truly needed it, somebody didn't have the key or didn't know how to access it. So, minus that missing ingredient, we've got all the stuff we need and we're managing.
1: Peter, what's the feeling there uh, among among your team? And we we've talked about team before. Uh, last time we chatted um, with with the with your coworkers, what's the feeling um, as we continue to make our way through this and and still seemingly wait for that peak? Yeah,
0: it's a good question. I mean, there was a huge amount of. Anxiety, anticipatory anxiety, waiting for the numbers to come in. And in some strange way, as patients come in and we say, okay, okay, we can handle this, we can handle this, it's freeing in a very strange way that I hope doesn't sound dismissive. We know the peak's still coming though, and the biggest challenge for healthcare workers, you know, I'll be honest with you, if meetings and emails could beat COVID, Mm. we would have beaten it a long time ago. So Mm. we've had enormous numbers of meetings, which is reassuring, and enormous numbers of ideas, shared, which is reassuring, but at the same time, um, moving beyond that sort of fear and what the heck do we do now into, we know what to do now, let's crack on and do this, knowing that we'll still learn lessons along the lines, as as everybody has done in every jurisdiction as their numbers have picked up. You know, as Mike Tyson, that great philosopher, used to say, no plan survives (laughs) a punch in the face. So we think we've got everything in place, but there will be challenges.
1: Have there been changes to uh, procedures, maybe some best practices that have changed or uh, that you've learned, even temporarily, at, at this point?
0: Well, things have changed and they will continue to evolve. That's what medicine does. That's what science does. And I don't want think I don't want people listening in to think they haven't got a clue what they're doing. Look, they've changed <laughs> their mind. So, for example, we weren't initially wearing paper masks in the hospital, but now we are. Mm-hmm. Um, if i can sort of sympathize and empathize with the public we were allowing visitors to come into the hospital and and we feel absolutely gutted that visitation has been all but banned except for special circumstances because those family members not able to visit their loved ones it must be truly harrowing for them things are evolving Uh, our personal protective equipment is is about the same as always it was if something generates an aerosol we will put on more gear if it doesn't we will do contact and droplet precaution so it's just slowly evolving I, I would if I may though There are all sorts of discussions about this medication versus that medication. So far, Mm -hmm. no pill or potion has been shown to be a magic bullet, and if I could just implore the public not to self-medicate and not to chase every story they hear online, you know, when people say, have we got anything to lose, you do, and there have been examples in the States of people injuring themselves and even killing themselves by self-prescribing medication.
1: Uh, Peter, you you talked about um, the the visitors and 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 the the changes that have been made to visitation in the hospital and and how difficult that certainly is for so many families. Does that put added pressure on on the hospital staff? Um, in you know because you don't have the families there maybe to provide some of the comfort. Maybe more of that's expected to come from the nurses, the doctors, those folks who are, you know usually are pretty good at doing that, but now it's maybe a little bit more. Well,
0: that's that's very well put. It, it is an extra stress. But, you know, with people living around the world, we've seen this before where somebody can't visit. And we take a great deal of credit and care and comfort in the fact that intensive care means more than just pills and machines. It means intensively caring in every regard, whether that's spiritual and emotional and end-of-life care, too. So we've always done that. It does make it a little more uh, emotionally tugging though i mean i would point out the worst thing you can possibly do to a prisoner is put them in solitary confinement and i have yeah. worried a lot about the effect it's having on albertans whether hospitalized or not in terms of this collation which we absolutely need to keep up but it's clearly a tough tough thing for everybody
1: well, you um, yeah, and I wanted to touch on that with you. We are hearing uh, lots of concern about you know those who might be dealing with mental health issues, eating disorders, those with addictions, how they're dealing with this. What are your concerns on on that front?
0: Well, and and I just heard while I was holding the phone about uh, spiking violence rates in Alberta as well while people are at home. And come on, Alberta, we're far better than this. We've got to rise to this challenge. I don't want to get too melodramatic, but my granny used to tell me stories about when she was a kid, when she was eight years old, she was taught how to use a kitchen knife to take out a Nazi if they invaded Britain. You know, we can do better than this, guys. We need to pull together. We've had hand sanitizer ripped off the wall in the hospital. We've had eight breakings in the staff parking lot. I mean, uh, healthcare workers want to fight and fight and fight for you guys, but we've all got to do it together. So I am concerned about the mental health issues too, just like you are. I just think we've got more resilience in this province than perhaps we've given ourselves credit for so far.
1: Uh, Dr. Peter Brindley joining us this afternoon. You've written in the past that any disaster pandemic highlights that healthcare is more than just a machine to help people get better. It's a reminder that society should be defined how it treats the vulnerable, not just the privileged. How well do you think we're doing?
0: I think we're doing well it's always awful hearing your own words quoted back to you by the way (laughs) Um, i I truly believe that i'm a i'm a lucky 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 boy in every regard i was born with the right parents the right genetics the right opportunities and therefore healthcare has been a wonderful profession to try and pay back and so i truly believe it and and care as i say is not just tubes and machines it's how we care for people emotionally and spiritually too So this is a challenge and let's rise to the challenge.
1: Uh, we were just talking about uh, what we're seeing in some of the long-term care facilities, and I know mm-hmm. that that is not your um, area of expertise. You're a, you're a you're a full-time critical care physician at the U of A, uh, but when we talk about the vulnerable, I mean, that is really shining a light on something right there, isn't it?
0: Isn't it? Uh, and they are uh. Albertans as every bit as you and I are, and so we can't ever regard this as a disease that just affects the other or just affects people who who are quote-unquote old to begin with. That's that's just not acceptable. Uh, an Albertan's an Albertan. And you know what? We will all be older and more vulnerable ourselves. So let's let's build a society that looks after us too. Uh, I would point out too, you know, when we've said it disproportionately affects the vulnerable, it absolutely does. But that definition of vulnerable is, is perhaps wider than people accept it's worse to be obese it's worse to be diabetic it's worse to be hypertensive in other words it's worse to have a lot of illnesses that a lot of albertans have so it isn't just people in nursing homes but it has been particularly devastating in nursing homes and i i hope we never lose our humanity and see those people as any less
1: Um, Peter, some people are getting really quite twitchy, they're they're wanting to see things get moving uh, to ease restrictions, to go golfing. The PM is saying it's going to be weeks before any restrictions are eased and we're hearing that from the medical officers of health as well. What do you believe people need to realize about this virus and how it's going to impact us in the coming weeks, in the coming months, even maybe years to come?
0: Well, my friends who've done military service have said this is exactly what happens. People rev themselves up, but they only have a week or two of sort of fuel in the tank, and then they do get twitchy. I've just returned from the supermarket, and I think three people shouted at me on one trip to the supermarket, simply because I said excuse me as I walked past them. So, you know, we've got to dig deeper a bit. We've got to... Eat right, sleep right, exercise, cut back 10% on the booze, uh, you know, learn how to dance in our living rooms, do jumping jacks, like do all of those things that keep ourselves strong. I don't know when the restriction's gonna be lifted. I'm a very social person and I'm desperate for those to be uh, lifted just like your listeners are, but uh, wanting it to happen isn't gonna make it happen. So in the meantime, let's control the things we can control, which are, are our own personal responses.
1: Well, it's you know it's, it's the reality that this is a new normal whether we like it or not and this new normal could um, you know get a little old it, it might not just be next month or three months from now this could be something that we're dealing with and some of these social restrictions is something that we could be facing for some time to come that's the reality. Um,
0: Absolutely true. And so we have to work out how we're going to deal with a possible, not confirmed, but possible new reality. You know, I'm making sure I only listen to one hour of news per day. I mean, as you can imagine, your show is uh, the biggest part of that, Jalen. But, uh, you know, listening to hours and hours of how many people died in the last hour is not helping. And in fact, that used to be up on the screen in our ICU. It is now gone. And just like you were talking about during the introduction, there are now pictures of animals and um and kittens uh, however silly that yeah. sounds it's it's helping people a lot more people are still in our icu making sure they get the recommended daily dose of michael buble uh my wife just <laughs> informed me that board games are selling out and you know what that's that's good that means people are trying to find a way to cope sunsets are still beautiful yes uh, people are still lovely. Um, I was worried my local Michelin star Subway sandwich restaurant was about to close down, and I just bought myself a sandwich there and enjoyed it more than I've enjoyed a sandwich in weeks. So yeah, we got to reconfigure to a new normal, but we can do that.
1: Before I let you go, and again, thank you so much for your time today. You're also a professor. What, what? First off, what has this pandemic taught you, and and what are you hoping that it teaches medical students in the years to come?
0: What a. Brilliant question. We've said that medicines about service for far too long without that being challenged and it truly is about service and you know what every self-help program in the world ends by saying find a way to help others and find a way to serve others and those are no longer hollow words so that's one of the biggest things it's taught me most of my academic work is on the back burner right now and it's reminded me that some of it was self-congratulatory rubbish and some of it was necessary and so it's it's caused a can I say BS detector on the radio? Uh It's caused a BS detector about so much of what we do about whether it's truly meaningful, whether it's for ourselves or whether it's for others. When we talk about patient care, we talk about the STEP program, managing ourselves, our team, our environment and the patient. And, And I just think it's brought all of these things into stark contrast and has forced us to do that even more so. So, I feel really bad for students who uh, are out of classes right now. But you know what? There's a massive amount of stuff on the Internet where they can keep their brains nourished. But in addition to that, if you have a chance to meaningfully help, whether you're an engineering student and you try and build something, whether you're a med student and you look after people's kids while they're essential workers I think that's going to be a much bigger lesson than anything that can be taught in the textbook and I think many of us will look back at this as an event we would never want to repeat but boy oh boy it was it was a thing that made us
1: Dr. Brindley I want to thank you very much for the time once again today and uh, I do hope that we get to chat again maybe in a couple of weeks
0: It would be an absolute pleasure all the best to everybody out there Thank you so much. Dr. Peter Burnley joining us
1: this afternoon. He is a full-time critical care physician at the University of Alberta Hospital in the General System Intensive Care Unit and its Neurosciences Intensive Care Unit.